had to coordinate things a little bit uh, to make this uh, to make this all work out. Uh, I'd like to open with a word of prayer, and then um, just uh, it's not an expository message, but I, I'm hoping uh, the Lord led me in the in the direction that I'm in, and I and I was just able to see the direction He'd have me go, and uh, I hope it's I hope it's edifying. Let's pray. Well, Lord, thank you for the time together. Thank you for the folks that are here. We know that there's just so much. Uh, that goes on during this time of the year with pe- folks on the road and doing this and that. We'd ask, as, as Vince already did, just be with our folks as they travel. And I think of uh, Pastor Dwight and Jane as they're out and about, uh, getting a chance to get a little R&R. Uh, thank you, Lord, for this time together. Uh, and may you be honored and may all the glory go to you for the words that are said. In your son's precious name, amen. Well, once again, uh, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a privilege and a pleasure to be here. We're going to be in Acts chapter 11, uh, maybe some of 9, but if, if you would like to open to Acts chapter 11, uh, we'll be looking at verses there. And uh, our topic is Barnabas, son of encouragement. It's uh, also known as the son of uh, consolation. Sometimes in the Aramaic, it's, it's, it's seen as son of prophecy, which is kind of an interesting translation. But Barnabas... Um, is an individual that I've come to to really, uh, it's kind of weird to say this, but love and respect. He's such a, he's such a good man. And, and I think um, as I go through this, you're going to see we got Barnabas, Barnabases in this church, both men and women, that fit the, the same characteristics that, that Barnabas has. Now, there's two subtitles, uh, two main, two sub-themes that I'll be talking about. One is what something that Barnabas said in Acts 11.23, and I'm going to share that right up front because it kind of forms the, the background for about 50% of the message. But he said this, he said, who when he came, and this is Barnabas, Barnabas came to Antioch, he was sent from Jerusalem to Antioch, and it says, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad, and he exhorted them all, those all were the folks in Antioch at the church there, uh, and he exhorted them all that with purpose of heart, they would cleave unto the Lord. But one of the themes that I want to look at tonight is what did he see when it says, uh, it says in Scripture, and had seen the grace of God. He went to that church and he saw the grace of God. That always just fascinates me. Uh, number two sub-theme is going to be uh, kind of a challenge to all of us. And, and I just wanted you to consider, consider having... And we're going to go through this and, and uh, kind of stretch it out a little bit. But consider having a Barnabas and a Paul-type relationship. Consider having Paul and Silas-type uh, spiritual growth relationship. And consider having a Paul and a Timothy. And I know a lot of you do, because I see it. I see it in action, and, and I know we're not here all the time because we're, we're out and about with other things. But I definitely see uh, that, those kinds of things going on. But sometimes uh, we have to be intentional about Mentorship. We have to be, uh, just like Vince knows, you got to be intentional about evangelism. And with the Discipleship 101 class, uh, you have to be intentional about discipleship. And I think you have to be intentional, uh, you have to be intentional about mentoring others. Now, I did want to read a little bit to, to help us get the background, and that's back to 11, Acts chapter 11. And I'm just going to read some verses, 19 through 25 as it forms the context before and after. So I'm reading from Acts 11:19. And now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none, 
but into the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, the Hellenists, the, the, the non-Hebrew people, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and he had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people were added unto the Lord. Then the last verse, because it becomes pertinent a little bit later, then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. Now, almost all of what we know about Barnabas, you can, you can find in the book of Acts. And as you read through the book of Acts, you can find the ups and downs for Barnabas in, in the relationship that he had with Paul that uh, I'll mention just a little bit, little bit later. But it's not just Barnabas, the man that the Lord had led me to talk about this evening, but it's how Barnabas' life in Southview Bible Church seemed to tie together. Now, I know that's a little teaser, but that'll, that'll come a little bit later, and I really am convinced that that's a true statement, and, and I'll, I'll unfold that a little bit later. But to set the stage, I wanted to, to give kind of, uh, a little bit of an editorial biography on Barnabas. Uh, Barnabas is seen in Scripture as a godly man. At times, he's up front doing the preaching, and other times, he's a behind-the-scenes guy, and he's willing to do it both ways. He doesn't have to be up front you know, uh, with, with, the, with the message, uh, being the head coach, so to speak, uh, he can be the assistant. He can be the behind-the-scenes guy taking care of things that the Lord would have him do. In the book of Acts, we learn he's a Levite from Cyprus. His name is Joseph. You can read that in Acts 4.36. Whom the apostles, and I always thought this was extra special, the apostles gave him the name Barnabas. There was something about him that when somebody looked at him, uh, you can just picture the apostles talking. You know, that guy is an encourager. And, and so they gave him the nickname Barnabas, which just means that. So it was no doubt given to him because of his inclination to serve others. And we'll be seeing that. And his willingness to do whatever church leaders needed. We'll be seeing that. He had a willing heart and a servant's heart. He is referred to as a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Probably nothing better than that to, to be called. Of course, Luke wrote the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit led Luke to write this. But the Holy Spirit said this of Barnabas. He's a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Through his ministry, a great number of people were brought to the Lord. We read that in, in Acts 11.24. In the Gospel of Luke, uh, Luke uses Barnabas. In the Gospel of Luke, we read how Luke, the writer of the Gospel of Luke, and the writer of Acts... He uses Barnabas as an example of how somebody should use their money. And, and we'll expound upon that in a little bit. Now, as we read, or as I mentioned, if you want to learn about Barnabas, go to the book of Acts. In mostly 9 through 13, 9 through 14, you'll read a lot about Barnabas. Interestingly enough, there's one single mention outside of the book of Acts that is about Barnabas. And it's really, um, it's a negative thing. Um, but that negative thing gets built on and, and it becomes a positive later. But in, in Galatians 2.13, you, you can read the negative. And, and the negative basically is this. Peter 
Peter's own hypocrisy influenced other Jews, including Barnabas, to shun, to shun some Gentiles at dinner. And Paul had scolded uh, Peter about that. And Barnabas got caught up in it and somehow followed Peter. And I think to make a long story short, for whatever reason, Barnabas knew better. And, I, and I'm sure Peter knew better. But Barnabas chose not to eat with the Gentiles, the Gentile believers, because the Hebrew believers were coming to town and those were his old friends and those were his old buddies. And so he didn't, he, he, I think he wanted to, I don't know how to say this exactly, I think he wanted to impress his friends that were visiting. And so he, he didn't have dinner with the Gentiles because if he would have, he would have not been so well received by those, those visitors. But anyways, it's that hypocrisy that Peter and Barnabas showed that got him a little bit scolded there in, in uh, Galatians 2.13. Also of, of interest, uh, as a side note, there's two non, obviously non-canonized uh, letters. One's called the Gospel of Barnabas and one is called the Epistle of Barnabas. You can go to the net and you can look those up and you can read uh, so many. Um, I haven't read the, all of them. But they, they are kind of interesting because the Gospel of Barnabas is a favorite read of Muslims uh, because it claims that Jesus did not die on the cross, as does the Quran. Also, the other book that I mentioned, the Epistle to Barnabas, is studied for its insights to, to Jewish theology. And, and so I just added that little kind of side note because just because it has Barnabas' name in it or somebody you know, that has a, you know, has a good reputation does not make it a good read, does not make it a good book or a good letter. So uh, it's, it's just, I've learned the hard way in a, f- a few times that we've got to be discerning as we choose what to read. And then we read in Acts, as I'm continuing to give a little bit of an editorial and biography, we read in Acts 13, 16, when Barnabas and Paul were together on what is called Paul's first missionary journey, that this is typical Paul. That Paul stood up, this is what scripture said, Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand that he began to preach. And that's Paul at his finest. He was, he was that person. And God used him mightily. And then I could see Barnabas in, in, the, in the background. He's watching the crowd. And then if he needs to, he'll go over to someone in the crowd and give them help. Or after the, after the sermon, somebody had questions or obviously was a little bit troubled by whatever was said. And, and I could see Barnabas going over to that person. We also read in Acts 13... In a number of places, it starts out saying this or that about Barnabas and Paul. The scripture says Barnabas and Paul. And it says Barnabas and Paul. But that changed. That that became Paul and Barnabas. And then it even became Paul and company. Now, the significance of that, we don't want to overread into it. But uh, things did change in that first missionary journey. And, And I know they changed for the better. There were some interesting events that occurred. But Paul, kind of, things were changed. Barnabas was uh, the leader at the beginning, but as time went on, Paul stepped up. But I guess one of the things that that I hope we see during our time is Barnabas didn't care. Barnabas would do what the Lord would have him do. And one of them was to go to take the background with Paul taking uh, more of charge. So, Although Paul was called to be an apostle apostle by the will of God, his acceptance into the apostolic community came through the sponsorship and soon after the mentorship of the apostle Paul. 
excuse me, of the Apostle Barnabas. So early in the book of Acts, we see examples that Barnabas was a leader. First, in that first century church, during the transition that we read in the, in the book of Acts, he was, he was seen as a role model for giving. If you want an example of what, uh, how to give, see Barnabas. He was selected as a representative of the Jerusalem church to confirm the work of God in Antioch. He was trusted. He was a trusted leader in the church to where people, the leaders would send him to do what they would want him to do. Then, as I also mentioned, he had a, the note, the prominent position his name occupied in the list of leaders in the church of Antioch. In 13.1, he was a church leader. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas, Simeon, uh, Niger, Lucius, Manon. There, he, was, he played a key role in that first century church that was so important to, to getting the gospel message spread. Now, the term mentoring is simply defined as a relationship in which a more experienced manager helps a less experienced protege. Sometimes they use the word mentee, but um, uh, a less experienced protege. Barnabas's relationship with Paul began when he introduced Paul to the apostles there in Acts 9.23 to 27. And let's read that because what it did is it enabled Paul to get his foot in the door. And we all know what happened after this event. And if there wasn't a Barnabas to do this... Um, who knows where, where Paul... Now, we know the Holy Spirit led Paul, and, and God was you know, ordaining those things, but it's just a, an interesting thing to see how God used Barnabas. Now, it says in 9.23, And after that, many days were fulfilled. The Jews took counsel to kill him, to kill Paul. And their lying away was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. So he got out of town. In verse 25, then the disciples took him by night and they let him down by the wall in the basket. So he's, he's gone. And then this is the part that I wanted you to, to really note to, to help us a little bit later. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he left he, and he's kind of got a, a rough reputation in both, both categories. The Christians weren't sure to trust him and, and the Jews and, and the powers to be uh, saw that he had, in their per perspective, had turned traitor. So when he gets to Jerusalem, he's trying to get his foot in the door with the apostles. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he tried to join himself to the disciples. It's kind of like he knocks on the door, they see who it is, and they don't let him in. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. You know, they had heard all these horror stories about what he was doing, so they, they, they didn't let him in. But Barnabas took him, and this is something sweet about Barnabas, took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, how Paul had seen the Lord in the way, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So there was, there was Barnabas sponsoring Paul to get his ministry going. And maybe some of you are going to have that opportunity sometime to do that for a person. Maybe not in the same context, but to, to step in and, and to say something encouraging and to get that young person going. All right, let's look a little closer at uh, Acts 11, 19 through 30. We read a few of those verses already, but this is the passage that talks about the death of Stephen. It talks about once the death of Stephen occurred, uh, 
the Christians were marked. Um, the authorities were going to get brave. Now they had killed their first one, and they were looking for more Christians to kill. And this is when the believers left. This is when the believers left Jerusalem and went far and right. They did, all didn't leave, of course. But many believers left, and they went to uh, Phoenicia, they went to Cyprus, and then for our study, they went to Antioch, the church about 300 miles north of, of Jerusalem. This church in Antioch is highlighted in this passage, and it was an early church success story. They, they were faithful to God, they were faithful in, in witnessing, and they produced a lot of believers. Followers of Christ were first called Christians at Antioch. The evangelistic fervor there that was created at this church at Antioch, which was about 300 miles north of Jerusalem, as I said, it just kind of reverberated throughout. The word was out about Jesus, and this church was, was the hub. And this is, this is where we read about Barnabas being used by the leadership at the church in Jerusalem to go to Antioch and to find out what was going on. That somehow the church in Jerusalem, the Christian church in Jerusalem, had heard about these exciting things happening. And so they sent Barnabas and others to go there to see what was taking place. So he goes there and he, the ever-dependable Barnabas goes there and he, he says some of the things that we read about already. And that is, that is that he saw the grace of God. That phrase from verse 23, had seen the grace of God, always jumps out at me. Uh, I've, I've taught from the book of Acts many times in Peru and I, and I really enjoy asking the students this. And I ask the students, you know, to think about how is the grace of God seen in your home church? And so the, the, the students will, you know, I'll give them a few minutes and they start thinking about their pastor and they start thinking about the folks in their church. And they start giving me answers about how they see, how they see the grace of God working in their church. And, and it's, always, it's always interesting uh, what they say, and, but the conversation's always good, and it's always fruitful, and it, and it kind of leads us in the direction that, that we need to go. But we need to have a, a working definition of grace, and, and grace is an awesome thing, and, and I'm not going to attempt to give messages and sermon, a sermon on it, because you've, you've heard some wonderful messages on grace, but I did want to give you just a short definition to use as I progress along. Grace can be described as God's favor towards the unworthy. That's us. God's benevolence on the undeserving. That's us. In His grace, God is willing to forgive us and bless us abundantly in spite of the fact that we do not deserve it. That's what Barnabas saw in that church. Now, it doesn't go on to say, you know, the particulars of, of the different things he saw. But we can gain some insights. One of the insights is 1121, which says when he got there, it says, and the hand of the Lord was with them. That's the folks at Antioch, and a great number believed. So one of the things that absolutely is scriptural, that when Barnabas got there and he saw the grace of God working, he saw people being saved. And then when you couple that with what we just read earlier about the death of Stephen and the dispersion and so on. Barnabas also saw, and maybe this is when it just registered with him, how significant, how significant uh, persecution is. These, the people being saved at Antioch was the result of Stephen being killed. It was the result of persecution 
taking place in the lives of, of many of those Christians. And so the persecution in Jerusalem that led to the forced dispersion of Christians throughout that region resulted in the fruit that took place in Antioch. Now, we know that the church in Antioch, we could talk more about how the grace of God there, one of the obvious ones was the missionary work. I mean, that's the church where Paul and Barnabas was sent from in the first missionary journey, and Paul and Silas in the second, in the third. And so that church was a powerful, mission-minded church. Now, as I earlier mentioned, uh, I will ask my students about you know how they see the grace of God working in uh, how they see the grace of God working in their home church, and then I had the idea. Uh, it was kind of a better late than never idea in my mind, is that I, I'd asked some folks here at Southview how they see the grace of God working in the church at Southview. So I con- contacted some people, and they were gracious enough to get back to me and, and say, you know, and just share their heart. And, and I told them, you can share it anonymously so you can say what you like. And, uh, and so some, some of the folks, uh, well, all of them gave me some some interesting tidbits about, remember, this is, this is somebody from Southview saying how they see the grace of God taking place here. And, and I'm pretty much, these are pretty much quotes uh, from, from people. So I'm going to share those things. But I also, got, I also got thinking, and it makes me smile a little bit, and I thought, oh, this was a good teacher idea. You know, it got students involved. And, and, and I thought it was. The only thing that I wasn't real happy about is kind of the, pre- the preacher in me didn't, I didn't contact enough people because I didn't get it going soon enough. And so, you know, that's, that's one of my um, wish I would have done better. And so what, what I'm going to, to do at the, at the end of the message, uh, just give a little time. If anybody would like to share how they see the grace of God working at the church, please feel, feel, feel free to share it uh, because... I just didn't do a great job in in contacting enough people. But God's grace can be seen at Southview Bible Church in that. And here they come. He has blessed us with a zealous, wise, meek, and diligent pastor who loves Christ above all things. Boy, what a compliment for your pastor. I tell you, you I hope he hears that. Excuse me. They, They say things like, we have formal and informal discipleship taking place. There is organized and spontaneous evangelism taking place with answers to prayers often being shared. There is genuine friendliness not uh, seen. Uh, there is genuine friendliness seen, not partiality. That's an awesome congregational compliment. The church was, was blessed with humble, strong, and submissive women. That's a, that's a that's a compliment and a half. There are many elder quali- there are many elders there are many elder qualified men who faithfully Guard the flock. The deacons and the deaconesses are hardworking, willing to sacrifice their own time and resources for the benefit of the body. Many well-qualified teachers and people that step up and take leadership roles in music and in so many other areas. There is a love and zeal for missions. People give willingly and sacrificially for the cause of Christ. There's a wonderful range of ages at Southview where the older can model for the younger and the younger ones can encourage and delight us with their energy and innate joy. So I think some of the older folks, well, this person, you know, likes to see the little ones running around and uh, it's an encouragement. And then the last one that I put down, and uh, there could have been more, but 
Many wonderful notes and letters. And I, and I really, I feel this one. <laughs> Many wonderful notes and letters are being sent out with encouraging, <clears throat> excuse me, with encouraging comments and reminders that people are praying for each other. The church prays for each other. And, and they're not afraid to say so. And, and that is... That is seeing God's grace at work at this church. And so, uh, as I mentioned, uh, we'll have an opportunity at the end. And if I forget and I get carried away and I head into the song and go to sit down, somebody just say, hey, I have an example and, and, I'll, and I'll catch up. Um, so that's the first, that's kind of the first subtitle I wanted to talk, to share with you about Barnabas. Uh, about what he saw, at the, what, how he saw the grace of God working and how that kind of works into what we see here at Southview. The second one is, is, is mentoring. And I, and I, you know, it could, it could dovetail with what John said and Vince, when they had that little exchange there about young people. And, uh, it could, it could be something that it goes along those same, same lines and, and see, and see what you think as I continue through this. In Acts 9, 26, 27, we read about how Barnabas took on the sponsorship of Paul. That enabled Paul to get going. The, the disciples up there, the apostles up there, let him, uh, they listened to him, and they saw that the Lord was using him, and then they let Paul move forward with his ministry. So the relationship between Barnabas and Paul began with Barnabas sponsoring or recommending Paul to the apostles and the leaders in Jerusalem. And then it began, then it grew into kind of a mentor-protege relationship. But it started with the sponsorship, with the recommendation. We know that Barnabas has qualities that jump out at us. Just like we know there are men and women here that have qualities that jump out at us that can make them good mentors. Barnabas had these, the, uh, Barnabas' name was Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And he was that kind of person. And he's, he, we should be that kind of person. He, he brought Paul along. He accompanied Paul in the missionary trip. He didn't hold any hard feelings with Paul. Uh, when John, John Mark, uh, when they parted company with John Mark, and if you remember that situation, um, Paul and Barnabas had a wonderful first missionary journey. It was fruitful. It was productive. Churches were planted all over Turkey and, and other places in Asia Minor. But then... Then Paul says. Then Paul says to Barnabas, um, Barnabas, uh, let's go on. Let, let's go on. Let's take another missionary trip and go visit those churches. That's the New Life version, I guess, translation. But he basically went to Barnabas and said, "Hey, let's go revisit those churches." And Barnabas says, "Yeah, let's do that." Uh, and and I like to give John Mark another try. Barnabas and Paul says, "Nope, we're not doing that. It's not. It's not going to happen." And, and by that time, I'm sure Bar uh, Paul was, you know, he, he had established himself. He, you know, he, he, Paul was Paul. You know, if, when he said something, he meant it. He was forthright. He was powerful speaker. Uh, and he basically told Barnabas, no, we're not going to do that. And it was, it was such an extreme no that basically it said, if you want to take John Mark, you go someplace else and take him. I'm not taking him. And, and that's how it played out. Now, maybe some of you, and I'm sure some of you, uh, maybe many of you, 
have read or, or thought about or discussed. You know, why did John Mark leave? You know, why did John Mark leave that first missionary trip? And when you read that, students, you know, I think back to, to my students are always, they wonder that too. You know, they'll say, Pastor Patrick, why do you think, you know, why do you think John Mark left? And it's, we're not told that. And we've got to be careful speculating on things that we don't know from Scripture. But there's nothing wrong with giving your own editorial. You know, you can, you can read and you can, you can say something as long as you say, hey, this is what I think. And then you can say why you think that. And then and it just goes from there. And so I always get to this point, and, and there's really, I, I think, two viable options that are, very, that are plausible as to why John Mark left. You know, John Mark was a young man. Um, John Mark was, um, uh, it, was it had been a tough trip. The first six weeks of that trip, first two months of that trip, things were not very fruitful. The Very little positive happened in Cyprus. It wasn't until they went from Cyprus onto the mainland that things started to happen. If you remember, Sergius Paulus, the kind of like the governor of, of that area was one to the Lord, and, and things really took off. But John Mark had left before that. And so one of the reasons why I think, probably the main reason uh, in, in my estimation, that John Mark left was he was the younger cousin of Barnabas. Scripture is clear with that. Barnabas is their cousins. Uh, and Barnabas was, was older. John Mark was younger. Barnabas was no doubt older than Paul, uh, probably initially, no doubt initially wiser spiritually because uh, he knew the Lord longer and he was more spiritually mature. Uh, the leaders in Jerusalem uh, listened to Barnabas, got Paul going and so on. So what I think, my speculation is, John Mark says, hey, I, I, don't, I don't like what's going on here. And what's going on here is Paul is, is pushing my, my cousin to the background and uh, kind of taking charge, so I'm leaving. No, that's an editorial there. And, but he did. He left. The only other thing that, 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 that uh, seems to make sense is that John Mark didn't know what he was getting into. It was a lot of work. They, they had a hard time in Cyprus. Lots, very hard time. And so John Mark may, may have been discouraged with the lack of fruit or things weren't going like he thought they would. And combined with, you know, my cousin, who I think highly of, has now been relegated to the background, I'm leaving. And so he left, he parted, and, and that event uh, caused the, the, the confrontation between Paul and Barnabas not to take John Mark on that second, on that second missionary journey. Um, we know what Paul went on to do. You know, he went on his second missionary journey, just incredible things, his third missionary journey. If you want to call the trip uh, to Rome a fourth missionary journey like people do, you can. Uh, he went on to do wonderful things. We don't read uh, really anything more about Barnabas. All we know is that after that uh, kind of headbutting thing, he went to Cyprus, took John Mark with him, not surprised that he would take his cousin and, and encourage John Mark and, and take him to Cyprus. Now, a lot of people uh, would, like, would like to say that what God did is that he multiplied his missionaries. You know, he doubled. He, he used Paul. Paul hooked up with Silas on that second missionary trip, trip and, used, uh, and used Barnabas and John Mark to go to Cyprus. You know, there's a, 
there's a little speculation there, but I do want to read from 2 Timothy 4.11 because it's kind of like, you know, there's, there's, there's somewhat of a happy ending here because, and it's important to read this. This is from 2 Timothy 4.11. And basically, we read into this that here's the end of Paul's life. He's in prison. He's going to die tomorrow, next day. He, he doesn't have many days left. And he, he's writing to Timothy. And he, you know, Timothy is, and I'll share a little bit more about this. He's, he's a young brother in the Lord. And he's writing to Timothy, his last letter, heartfelt letter. And he says, Timothy, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him. I think that's special. Take Mark, take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Somehow, we don't read it in Scripture, John, Mark, and Paul somehow reconnected. And, and that's a blessing. Somehow, Paul and Barnabas would have reconnected too through that, uh, through that connection that Paul had with John, Mark. And so, as difficult as it was in that separation... We know that uh, later on, Paul asked Luke to have Mark come and see me in prison as, as my last days were, were with me. So that's a relationship that I want us to think about. Think about a, a Barnabas and Paul relationship and that, that you might have with someone. And then we see moving on to uh, a Paul and a Silas relationship. The Paul and Silas relationship is one that I see all the time here. Guys stop, women stop, they, they shoot the breeze, they talk, and they share, they share things spiritually. They talk about you know, some event that took place at work, some evangelistic opportunity they had. Silas, he was, he was at the Jerusalem Council. He helped community. He was one that made that trip to Antioch with Barnabas. Uh, to he was they were he had enough confidence they had enough confidence in him that they would send him. He went on that second missionary journey with with Paul, and on that journey they went to Greece. They went to Philippi. Uh, they were arrested. They were beaten. They were imprisoned. Uh, we know the story in Acts sixteen that about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening. Uh, they were witnessing the faith of those two guys. To the point where the, the prison guard basically asked them, how do we get saved, Paul and Silas? How do we do that? And, and it goes on to say that the jailer was saved that night. Paul and Silas ministered about 30 months together. All indications are they were, they were close in age as they ministered together, as they traveled together. Silas was called a prophet. He and Paul were kind of like accountability partners. And... And I think we should have accountability partners. We should have people that are kind of similar in age and obviously in gender and similar in spiritual maturity that we can run things past, that we can run things by and um, maybe prevent us from making a, a dumb mistake or maybe help us make a, a good decision. And so 
that is a that is a, a key relationship. But we see that happening a lot. We see peer peer to peer relationship, and and of course we want to encourage that. The last one is the one that I think we need to do better on. I know I do, and I think we can as a church. I think all churches can. Um, the third and final relationship to look look at in Scripture is the mentoring relationship to Paul and Timothy. Paul to Timothy. That was a heartfelt one. I, the only comparison that I can give to that is a grandpa to the grandson or grandma to the granddaughter. I think it was that kind of, you know, heartfelt, kind of sometimes gut-wrenching kind of relationship. Because there's nothing really quite like, you know, a grandpa, a grandma, and a grandson, you know, when they get old enough to where they, you know, they, they understand what you're saying and you're trying to help them. It's a very special thing. And I'm convinced that's what we had with Paul to Timothy. But it was a powerfully spiritual one because he was trying to bring Timothy along to basically take his place because Paul knew that he was going to die. And it, it, it's got to be a two-way street. The young person's got to be willing to listen and the old person has got to be wise enough to say things that are going to be an encouragement and not just you know, give, give the young person a hard time because you know, he's a young person and May not, they may not see eye to eye and everything, but that older person can help them. But think of Timothy. Timothy had a mother that was a Jew, was Jewish. The dad was a Greek. He had not been circumcised, which was kind of a no-no, but he had not been circumcised. Um, but he had been raised to honor God. We know that from 2 Timothy 1.5. Timothy's commitment to the Lord was strong. And we know that it was strong because a little bit later... When, when Paul and Silas ran into Timothy in Lystra, uh, Paul says, Hey, Timothy, will you come along with me uh, as we finish this trip? Timothy went along. And then Timothy, as a young man, we're not sure how old he was, uh, late teen, maybe early 20s, was willing to be circumcised. Very, very unusual for uh, a boy that age to be willing to be circumcised. But Timothy was willing to do that. That took a great deal of commitment. That took a great deal of faith. To, to take that step. Because Paul knew and Timothy knew that circumcision had nothing to do with having a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Had nothing to do with his salvation. But it had a whole lot to do with winning these Jews to, to, to the Lord. Paul knew that he wasn't going to get very far with Timothy if Timothy wasn't circumcised. Timothy knew that too. And he was willing to do that. And I think Timothy learned... 1 Corinthians 9.22, to the weak I became weak and, to, the, and to, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save, save some. That was Paul speaking, but I think Timothy learned a little bit of that too. Paul's role in, in working with Timothy, he was patient with Timothy. Because you could see some of the exchanges there. They weren't always you know, on the same page. But Paul was encouraging him. Paul told him, uh, the, the pastorate's going to be hard, Timothy, and, and I want to prepare you, and I want to tell you what it's, what it's really going to be like. And he did. And he didn't, uh, he didn't sugarcoat it. Timothy learned that it was going to be a difficult time. There's going to be wolves in sheep's clothing. There were going to be those that are going to turn against him. And so from this relationship is the point that older men, we need to be we need to be mentoring younger people. 
Now, I know that happens a lot in Sunday school. I know it happens a lot in other ways, but, 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 but maybe being intentional about it and thinking about it. You got, like I said, you've got to be intentional about evangelism. You've got to be intentional about discipleship. And I think you have to be intentional about uh, investing in someone else's life in mentorship. Uh, and just uh, as, a, as a personal note, I've been so blessed to have you know, all three of those kinds of things in my life at a given time. But as I've gotten older, you know, the, the older men uh, most have gone on to be with the Lord. I'm 69, and so, you know, 69, 79, 89, having a guy, you know, 20 years older than you is, is just, you know, they've gone to be with the Lord. But it, it kind of sends a signal that, that maybe I should pick up the pace in the other ways and, and work harder on my peer-to-peer relationships and, and really work hard on the, the Paul to Timothy relationships. And so, the, the, the last thought is, as you think about these possibilities in your mind, as you sit there and think of maybe somebody, you know, that you could, that you could connect with, either as the older person, with the younger one, you know, whatever, whatever it might be, it, think about that. But, but think of it in the context uh, of the well-being and the benefit of the church. What, what dividends... Maybe I shouldn't use that money kind of term, but you know what dividends could it pay that as we as we nurture the younger people and bring them along and, and help them grow in their spiritual maturity? And so, as I as I said in the beginning, I wanted to, to get across two things. What did what did uh, what did Barnabas see when he went to the church with the grace of God working? And then the other challenge was was the mentoring one. The, the, the Barnabas to Paul, the Paul and Silas, and then Paul to Timothy. Different stages in our life, you know, we, that changes, of course. And mentoring relationship changes because, uh, you know, as we, as we mature and as we have different ideas, things, you know, just like Paul and, and just like Paul and Barnabas, they went their separate ways. But it was okay that that happened. Before I, I, I close, I just want to remind you that... Um, you have an opportunity if you want to share, uh, if you would like to share anything about you seeing the, the grace of God working here at Southview, uh, please share that. I'm going to close with reading a verse from 2 Timothy, I'm going to read two verses, 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, and then if you'd like to say something, please do. Otherwise, I will close with a word of prayer. I like these couple verses, and I like the whole context, but I can't read it all. But this is Paul talking to Timothy. Paul's life is almost over. He's writing to the young Timothy and he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That's what it's all about. You know, we pass on something to somebody else with the idea that that person then can use it to teach others. Well, uh, if... Does anyone have any? Uh, does anybody have anything else you'd like to add about uh, seeing the grace of God uh, here at Southview? Um, and I'll just kind of see if there is. And if there's not, I'll close with a word of prayer. And then Vince, you can you can do whatever you need to do. Anybody want to add? Uh, I know I covered a lot of things, Tom. Good, yeah. Um, other than that, I 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know you're all over the place now. Uh, God was compelling you to start in partnership. Okay? Uh, none of you nor anybody around you around that time knew what was going to transpire with Southview. Through the years, God gave us another joke in our old one. Now, he's brought us back around to this thing. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, that's tremendous, Tom, you saying that. I I couldn't agree more and, and, and I as I think about it, because you know, it's you know, it's been on my mind off and on. It's not the building that you get emotional about. It it's those things that you just mentioned. You know the Lord is working and allowed things to unfold the way they did in in, in ways that I didn't really understand at the time. You know, it was it was kind of sad some of the things that, that happened. But when it's all said and done, you can see God's grace in it, and you can look back and say, okay, I get it now. I get it. But boy, when you're in it, it's hard to get it. It's hard to, you know, it's just very difficult. Vince? Yeah. Oh. You just don't see that in in a lot of churches. They they just don't have the, I don't know the help or the you know the wherewithal to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, and I always I know I said this one time at an elders meeting, back when we were coming on board missions, and because I really mean it. You know, I. If if I'm going into a spiritual dark alley, I want Pastor Dwight with me. You know what I mean? You know that guy can do battle, and you guys we're we're blessed here, and and I know you know that. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Anyone else? Okay, I'd like to close with a word of prayer and then then Vince, whatever. Pardon? Okay. Well, Lord, thank you for the time together. Uh, I just I, I just trust the uh, the admonition to 
to see God's grace working at a church is 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 so clear that uh, it's a, it's such a God honoring thing and it's it's moving the church forward and we thank you so much for that. Thank you for the examples of, of the folks here at Southview that they gave and then these uh, heartfelt additional ones. We thank you so much for that. And then the the mentor the mentoring ship thing, Lord. Uh, may we just be intentional. May I think of pers- people that I might be able to help. Might be my own grandson and do a do a better job of spiritually trying to bring them along, or it might be a, a young another young person that I can befriend. But let, help us to, to keep those things in mind uh, for the good of the for the good of the body. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.